Canuck Central in the Kintech studio. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We welcome in our next guest. It is head coach of your Vancouver Canucks. On the eve of training camp beginning, it's Rick Tockett. Thanks for this, Rick. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing uh, we're doing well. The, the question I really have for you: Did you have a big summer? Because you know we know you know it was an ask of all the players. But did you have a big <laughs> summer? Yeah, I mean, I think I did. Um, <laughs> I didn't do as much as I wanted to do, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was a pretty good summer. Uh, was it a big summer? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so, I mean, in, how much time did you spend just nerding out on hockey stuff this summer? Uh, you, you say that again about hockey stuff? I said, how much time did you spend just nerding out on hockey st- stuff this year? I saw the uh, Canucks and Cars with you and Adam Foote and how excited you got when he texted you on July 4th, I think it was, uh, about some uh, defensive stuff and, oh, and yeah. thinking of, some, uh, yeah. thinking, thinking of some, stuff, some stuff to do. And you say you love that stuff. So I was just wondering, like, how much, stuff, how much time did you spend this summer just kind of looking at hockey things and getting ready for the season? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think, you know, obviously when we didn't make the playoffs, um, I stuck around town um, for a while and uh, went to some playoff games with Abbotsford, did some wrap-up stuff with some coaches. Um, and then, you know, you, you know, you go, you know, you go back home and, you, you know, you don't really do anything for about three, I, you know, three weeks, but then four weeks. And then I like to start looking at stuff. Um, I don't like going too long without looking at stuff. You get rusty actually as a coach, you know, you, so I, you, know, you start watching systems. I also, uh, and I can't believe I forgot this, is I went to the playoff games. I went to a lot of playoff games in the Vegas. I live in Vegas in the off season, and I, I went to a lot of games. You know, um, you know, uh, and I actually, uh, I usually, you know, you go up to a suite or something or, or wherever. But uh, actually, I think it was game, it was the Edmonton game, and I think uh, game uh, two against Florida, where I was actually in the stands by myself. I think I was like the third or fourth row. I, I just wanted to go down by myself and watch the uh, the game myself by myself you know not nobody talking to anybody and and really watching it and it uh it gives you a different perspective um how hard the guys were playing and uh it, it was just fun to, it was fun to be a fan and take some uh and also learn too you know like hey is what vegas does or what edmonton does or whatever teams are doing you, you, you kind of look hey oh that's interesting how they they uh you know they, they take a three on two differently or something like that so that was fun so you got you got the notebook full for uh, for the start of this season. That's uh, it's good to know. Um, what does what does a su- successful training camp look like for you? Yeah, I think the, everybody's looking for the results, right? Every everybody wants a good start. Everybody wants to make the playoffs and stuff. And you know, obviously, everybody you know every team wants to do those things. But I'm a staple guy, pillar guy. You know, we have our pillars and staples. You know, we want to do that from day one. You know. Uh, you know, if if we're, we're if if there's, you know, we're talking about chipping the body or we're talking about good changes and stuff. I want that from day one. Uh, the, that's how you create good habits every day. And I think, you know, if you do those things every day and we, we push each uh, each other every day and uh, make each other accountable, you know, those those things that we want are probably you know, uh, it's probably I shouldn't say easier, but you got a better chance of being successful that way. Um, if you look, you you know, if you look too far ahead. And you forget about the process. I think that's when you get in trouble. So uh, that's me. I, I'm a short-term guy. I'm worried about training camp. I'm not worried about anything else. And basically, brick by brick, you know, let's worry about tomorrow's uh, first day on the ice and some of the concepts, and we'll go from there. And we were having this discussion yesterday about you know previous philosophies or just how people view things differently. Saying you know you got to win the week, you got to win the month or whatever it is. And and in our viewpoint, based on everything we've seen with this team the past few years, it's like that's too macro. You got to go to get even more micro here and, and go shift by shift. You're mentioning you know every single moment you're out there on the ice, but how 
when does that when can that flip for a team and how long can it take for a team to get the mentality of we're literally just focused on our next shift we're not even thinking about the second period third period the next game like we're, we're just thinking about each shift we're out there yeah you know some teams do like segments you know five game segments but i'm with you guys i like it's even more for me it's it's detailed stuff um yeah i understand you want to go shift by shift but you know like for me tomorrow um and when i explain to the players tonight and they'll they'll know some of my you know some of my tags lines this year or some of my staples and pillars i want to see that from day one tomorrow um and when i went up to penticton and watched the you know the uh, the young stars there that that tournament there's a lot of stuff those young guys were doing. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I got to give the development guys, I got to give Jeremy Colton because, you know, I spent a lot of time with Jeremy this summer and um, I think he's a terrific coach and he knows what I want in my staples. And, and it's quite frankly, that's what he wants too. And you could see that happen in the players. So, you know, we're marrying the, the young players, the Abbotsford to our team. And I think it's so important. It, it, you know, it, you know, all of a sudden you're pushing people's jobs and that makes competition you know, we have, we're going to have some spots open, uh, you know, or, or like spots that are open that can maybe three players are competing for. I think that's a great thing. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just going to raise the compete level because that's something, and you guys, you know, I've said it last year, you know, our compete level has got to get higher. You know, our, our, our you know, we got to be able to deal with pressure. And uh, when you deal with pressure, you got to be prepared. So those are the things that I'm really worried about. That's not, not so much worried about. I'm relying on and, and emphasizing in camp. You've mentioned pillars a couple of times. Can you tell us what some of those pillars are? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, and, you know, you got to invest in yourself, you know, invest in, in, in your teammates in the crest. You know, that's a big one for me. Um, energy, like, I, I think energy is huge, whether you win 5 nothing or lose 5 nothing, and, and honestly, it's got to come from me and the coaching staff, too. You know, you lose 5 nothing. We can't have a coaching staff moping around the next day. we got to be able to be teachers we got to be able to drive the pace and, and drive the energy level. So I'm a big energy guy, um, and I need the players. You know, we need energy. And when you you, know, you have good energy, that means you communicate better. You know, you, you feel better on the ice. Uh, obviously, compete is one big one for me. I mean, it's good old-fashioned compete. we got to compete in every, every facet, uh, facet of the game. And, and I call it a command. You know, the, my last one's a command. You, know, you come in the rink, and to me, command is you control. You control yourself. You can control your environment. Uh, you know, you, you have that command. So, and then you go from staples. I mean, I, I got about 10 staples. I'm not going to get, get into them, but you probably guys know some of them and you got to be able to do those every day. Um, and that's, that's really kind of stuff that I preach. There was a, a lot of good that we saw towards the end of last season after you took over, but how much of that can you really maintain? I mean, it's, it's five months. Do you have to start a little bit from ground zero, especially with all the new faces around? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, there's a lot of circuits that happened last year. I thought the players did a really nice job of, you know, of you know coming back after, you know, a tough first half. A lot of it was thrown at them. You know, there's a lot of different, you know, a lot of noise outside. And we, I thought they did a, good, a nice job of, of handling that. But listen, you know, we weren't in the playoffs. You know, right, some of the games were, you know, obviously <clears throat> there, were, there were not, you know, we competed, but you know, like it wasn't like we're in the playoffs. I, I get some of the people say, "Yeah, without the playoffs, that's why they started playing well." Well, you know, maybe that's the truth. I don't know, but I did see a team that was trying to learn the system and stick with it, and I saw they they saw some good results because of it. Now we got you know 82 games to do it, and um, that's why you got to do it every game. It's hard to do. That's why the, the you know the best teams win because they they handle pressure and they do it. They handle the you know the hardness. You know, can we handle that uncomfortableness? 
uh, you know, when things don't go well, can we, you know, my big thing to the players is, are you a guy, if you have a bad game, can you get out of it the next game? Or are you a guy that has two or three, four bad games? Like, you know, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah, sure. You're going to have a bad game. Or you're going to have a, a bad you know, situation that happens in a game, but can you correct it? And that's consistency. So you do the staples, those things help. How much of that is mental to be able to overcome having a bad game? And, and how hard is it for some guys to really hone in on that? Yeah, I, I I always tell stories. Even myself when I played, and I don't want to be that guy when I played, but when I was coaching Sidney Crosby as an assistant coach, if he had a bad game or if he had two chances by the net and he, say, missed the net you know, or whatever, he would take those two exact plays and he'd go on the ice probably 30 minutes for a practice and he would do 50 reps. I remember one time he missed a backhand. You know, it was late in the game. We could have won the game and he missed a backhand. You know, usually he'd score well, the next day he was on the ice practicing that same play over and over again. I, I, was, I was out there with him, and he was telling me to pass the puck to him. Um, those are the, the, the selfless traits that I like, and that's uncomfortable to do. That's hard to do. You know, some guys maybe they, yeah, you know, I'll get the rink later, and, you know, go have my breakfast and just kind of lay around. Where I want guys to be out there, like I said, correcting those mistakes so it doesn't happen again. So those are just the stories you know I like to relate, especially to the young guys. I know you've said you're going to take a little bit more of a role in on, on how the power play gets going this year. Uh, what does that look like to you? Is it just uh, finding somebody new to play in the bumper spot where Horvat used to be, or could we see a little bit more tinkering? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's about teaching. You know, I have some really good, obviously Sergey Gonchar, you know, uh, uh, the twins can help a lot on down low plays. Like, you know, the one thing, I love I love our power play. I thought they did. You know, it's been a very good power play though the last few years. If you look at Edmonton, you know they're the barometer, right? They're the best in the league. What are they? Thirty, you know, thirty percent, which is yeah. outstanding. Um, you know, we got to teach the bumper guys, whoever's going to play it, certain ways to play it. I, I uh, we need more net front. You know, whoever plays that net front has to get in front of the goalie on shots. I felt that's a little bit something that we were we lacked. Um, I think a little bit more movement when we beat pressure. You know, when you beat pressure, we come out of the corner and there's three guys, you know, three opposition guys in the corner and the puck hits out. We got to attack the net. Um, that's what I saw from Edmonton. Yeah, sure, they got McDavid and Drysdale, two of the best players in the league. I get it. But I, one thing I did learn from watching that team is when they beat pressure, it's to the net. It's, it's you know, it's go time. It's not like, uh, let's look for a play. There's no play. The play is we beat you out of the corner. Now let's take it to the net. That's what I want to instill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, I thought those guys really did a nice job. I mean, there were some some great goals that they scored last year. I thought, you know, uh, Millsy and Pete, obviously, and, and Husey kind of running that one, number one unit. I thought they're those are you know I'd put them up as one of the top three guys on the power play in the league. You know, they're, t- they're I think they're top five. Those three guys on a power play. Now we got to find guys who can play the bumper in that front of the net. Obviously, Kuzmenko is a, is a guy that's obviously going to look for that job. I think he's a terrific player with his hands. Um, some of the concepts with the PK, we should get the puck down to Kuzi because he's such, you know, there's the, with, with the diamond a lot of teams are playing, that low guy gets the puck a lot. So I want that puck to go in his hands like Kuzi. I want to see him take that puck to the net. He, he's special at those things. 
One of the things uh, I also kind of caught on that uh, Canucks and Cars with you and Adam Foote was you mentioning when you were in Colorado and you had a sleepless night kind of thinking about switching Forsberg and Sackick because Forsberg <laughs> was playing the half wall and Sackick was in front of the net. Is that something you thought of at all in relation to this team maybe switching guys up? Because, I mean, Pedersen could do multiple things. JT Miller, I think, is one of the most underrated play- power play guys in the league. I think he's fantastic on the half wall, but he can maybe play net front. He can play bumper as well. Have you thought of, of making a bigger switch in, in that ilk potentially? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question because I think PD, you know, for me has to move. Um, I, I, you know, I know he likes playing that flank on his off, which is great. And he's got that one timer. Um, but I felt last year, you know, there's sometimes I want him in the middle of the ice and sometimes we want him maybe on his forehand on the other side. Sometimes when we play a team and, you know, with their penalty kill scheme, I might want Millsy around the net, front of the net. You know, we, we got to be able to play other positions. Um, and, you know, and I guess my best you know, way to sell it to the players is if you look at Edmonton power play, McDavid's on his forehand, he's on his he's on his offhand, he's in the bumper, he's by the net. Um, you got to play different positions, and I think that's the one thing I'd like to really preach this year. So yeah, I want to move Petey around. I think there's some spots there that we can we can really um, you know there's some weaknesses of some teams we can exploit with Petey in certain situations you know, with a puck in his hand or even a puck to shoot the puck. I mean, he can fire the puck on his forehand too. So there might be a downhill situation where we want the puck going to Petey because they're giving us that shot. Well, if Petey's got three shots from, you know, inside that dot, I'm taking it. I mean, I'll take the odds every day on that, uh, you know, that. so that's the sort of stuff I look for. Uh, Rick, we really appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you down in Victoria. Okay, guys, take care. Uh, there is uh, Rick Tockett, head coach of your Vancouver Canucks. Uh, from Mike and Willoughby, more talkisms. Absolutely love it. Yeah, no, it's great. And honestly, like I love the stuff on the power play because this is something we wondered too about, okay, how creative are they going to get in terms of making changes to how they want to play? And the, what he kind of mentioned was maybe more fluidity and yeah. maybe you start off in regular spots, but guys move around a lot more. But also, I like how you can change things up based on the matchup. Yeah. Because I do think JT, like he's fantastic as a playmaker off the half wall, but he can be fantastic in the bumper as well. He's got a good shot. He's got a big body. He knows how to play in front of the net. He can battle really well for loose pucks. He can. So if you have a team that's kind of soft in that middle defending, maybe you put JT in. Then you make, you know, Pedersen maybe more of a primary playmaker instead of you know being the shot threat. And I think that's a, those are the types of things you have to do to kind of evolve as a power play and get from being, you know, a top 10, 12 power play to being like a top three or four or five. Like yeah. that's where you have to get, get to. It's uh, when he mentions breaking through the pressure and then getting after it, right? <laughs> Essentially going straight to the net. And we're seeing so many more teams play more, a more aggressive penalty kill and they want to pressure the puck at the top of the zone. The Canucks have struggled against that. Uh, we've seen, but all it takes is one pass to break through that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you might have a three on two down low or a four on two down low, depending on how it all shakes out. And those are the types of advantageous situations you want to create on the ice, especially on the power play. So if you can have more of those opportunities, absolutely. It'd be huge to create that and create a more fluid, more aggressive power play and trying to break through some of the pressures of the defense. Uh, great stuff from Rick Tockett, as always. Uh, his pillars are in there as well. Uh, we'll have it up on podcast as soon as possible for you to get in on with Rick Tockett and all of his talkisms. Yeah. He is essentially um, 
you know, they've made plays on the ice, right? Philip Aronic, some of the big moves that they've made. They are really counting on the coach as being one of their big acquisitions to move this team into the right direction. You need to have buy-in and your coach is the biggest factor and your leadership group are the biggest factors in getting that buy-in, right? And it seems like at least at the moment, he kind of has a player's ears. And if they're, if they're willing to battle for him, that's what matters. Like, all these other things are huge, too. You're making small tweaks, your system play, your power play, and all that, and your PK. And those things go a long way. But you know what makes a PK successful? Guys caring. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Buying in and, and wanting to block shots and, and working hard and doing those things. And you buy in when you believe in something with a team. And that's what I think the most important role for for a coach is. Like, even in, in the NFL, yes, you need to have, like, a strength, whether it's offense, defense, or whatever it is that you help make a strength. But the most important thing is getting everybody to buy in and show up every day serious and be able to sacrifice for the team. And it seems like Talkett is that that type of guy, and they truly believe he's going to be able to do that with the team. It was um, very noticeable during the end-of-season news conferences and talking to the different players. Their level of respect for Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar as well, not to discredit anything the other... Yeah associate coaches have done but you know they would bring them up unprompted you know how much some of their teachings did and look Gonch is uh for me a hall of fame defenseman uh foot was one of the best stay-at-home guys in his heyday this is kind of it's the whole coaching staff that's got to get buy-in from these players yeah and the defensive side of the puck has really been the biggest issue for this team as a whole, that's where most of the acquisitions came in the offseason. That's how they're setting themselves up. Patrick Alvine is on record with Ian McIntyre saying, we got to start thinking about how we win games 2-1, essentially. So this is going to be the big um, this is going to be the big test for the team is, are they getting that buy-in and are they executing on some of their defensive concepts through the course of the season? Yeah, and... The defense stuff and the PK stuff is really going to have to be a part of the backbone for the team. How many games did they lose last year because they didn't even give themselves a chance? Mm. You know, you have breakdowns, you have a lack of focus, whether it's a bad line change, a bad pinch. Like, it, so much of that comes down to focus as well and being invested and, and having the right mindset game in and game out. But you're right. I mean, those are the things they have to show up. I mean, if this team doesn't doesn't shoot itself on the foot every every game, how good can they be? Yeah. Can they be a playoff team? Can they be a team that's interesting? And you don't know that until you play that type of hockey. And, that, and this team hasn't been able to play that type of hockey for a few years. It goes back to the year 2019-2020, you know, where they had buy-in. They played well as a team. And, yeah, they were kind of a bubble team on the, you know, and they went into the bubble and had some success. But that was the last time we saw a team be fully invested and buying into systems play and sacrificing on the PK. And that's something you have to get back to here. And if they do, well, they'll have a fighting. Uh, to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox from Tones earlier in the show, I don't know if I'm just the eternal optimist, but the forward group is deep. And yeah, they could use another scorer, but the way those lines will be built should allow them to get contributions from everywhere if 
anything. I would love for them to find a way to sign a bear type to allow him to play with Hughes. Cole Heronic shut down pair and Susie Myers as a high-end third pair. That's from Tones. Uh, bear wouldn't be ready until December anyhow. So, um, you know, there's that part of the conversation. But your point rings true. There's still a bit of a question mark as to who plays with Hughes. That was answered earlier today. And uh, essentially, Rick Tockett saying that spot is up for grabs mm-hmm. at training camp. But that's going to be – it could be a big advantage for this team if they have – four lines that they could truly trust to put out there and four lines that, you know, towards the bottom of the lineup still contribute a little bit. You want to be a team that could roll four lines. Yeah. Do you have a fourth line that if they get caught out against the other team's top six on an icing call, like you can survive that shift? Yeah. Do you have a third line that if they get matched up on the road, especially, can they handle, can they handle it on that, on that stage? Right. Because the fourth line, you can hide a bit. You can't hide your third line really, especially on the road. So, do you have a third line that can handle that? Not win that matchup necessarily, but be able to hold its head, you know, hold, you know, hold its own. If they can do that, it buys you a chance again. I mean, they, they're getting crushed in these scenarios, right? Well, so you, you start can talking- win your matchup with Pedersen. Uh, your second line would be about even, whether it was Horvat or Miller at five on five. Yeah. And then they'd get crushed in the bottom six. Yeah. It's been the story for the last few years. And the hope is that you have a line that crushes. You have a second line that's also very good and can win its matchups. And then you you can essentially be a draw for your third and fourth line. And yeah. if, if your third and fourth line can be can bring you a draw and your top six wins, you're going to win most games. But it's a lot easier said than done. And I agree they have more depth. My question, though, is how much of that depth is actually good? You have yeah. numbers. You have quantity. How good is that quality going to be? Yeah. And that's something that we're going to have to find out here. And we'll be able to report as soon as tomorrow from training camp. Uh, which we're excited about. We're going to head out uh, onto the ferry and head to Victoria, get in for training camp tomorrow, and bring you a lot of content over the course of the next few days here on Canuck Central. Via the podcast, we'll also still have the live show 3 to 5 tomorrow, 3 to 6 on Friday, and 10 to 1, a special Canuck Central training camp edition live from Victoria on Saturday morning. So a lot of content coming your way. We'll have thoughts from the general manager, hopefully the president as well, and many of the Canucks players at camp as well. So we'll get into all of those things for Producers Josh and Elon, my co-host Sat, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Canuck Central.